If you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of John. We'll be in chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. If you're using the Pew Bible, this will be page 886. give our attention to the reading of God's word, beginning in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Men, let me pray and ask God to teach us his word this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that you would do another miracle, that you would soften heart and hearts this morning to hear your word, to receive your truth, to open our eyes and our ears that we may see and hear things otherwise we couldn't, that we would know you. We pray that you would do this for your glory alone. Amen. Well, for our entire lives, uh, we have probably grown up hearing, especially around the holidays, it is better to give than to receive. It is better to give than to receive, and this is true. But we all know that comes with a cost, especially this morning. As I pan the pews, right, I can see the wear and tear of another Christmas uh, late night wrapping parties, tape still stuck in the hair, perhaps a few flesh wounds from scissors being used in a hurry. Maybe one appropriate sermon for Christmas would just be, so how well did you give this Christmas? Well, Talk about that later. I don't want to ask this morning that because I know that you have given well. And some of you are prolific givers. And this year was no exception, right? We know that you managed gifts um, for your extended family, for school teachers, right? You got immediate family and extended family Christmas shopping done before Black Friday. You've been on the ball. The Christmas cards are out and you managed to double your inventories while reducing your cost by 30% thanks to Amazon Prime. You might have even remembered the carpool team. Even they got gifts. We are good givers. You, I'm sure, are good givers. And half of us are probably broke just to prove it. But this morning is not about giving. This morning beyond Christmas Day especially, is about receiving. So let me ask this question, how have you received this year? Are you good at that? Can you receive, especially if that means never ever being able to give something in return that could possibly come close to matching 
what you were given. I don't know about you, but I find that difficult. Well, as we turn to the prologue of John's gospel we just read, it comes to us as an announcement that something has come into this world for all to receive that is going to change the world forever. This gift is the gift of salvation, and it comes to us in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. No one, no one can ever repay him, and his salvation cannot be earned. Instead, like any real gift, this one must be received. And so the question I want us to consider this morning is a simple one. What are you receiving this Christmas? You've given a lot, no doubt about it, but what are you receiving? Now that the waiting is over, now that Jesus is here. Two things to consider from John's prologue this morning about the gift that has come into this world. The first thing that we note here from the text is that John tells us about this gift is that it's true. Look at verse 9. John reminds us that something has come into the world, and it's not just a light, but verse 9 says what? It's the true light. It's the true light. And the implication is that there perhaps have been other lights, other imposter lights, other people professing to be God, but John is saying this is the true light. And of course, where else does John use this word true in his gospel? Well, when he talks about what? The true vine, the true bread of life, the true God. But in verse 9, we hear the true light was coming into the world. But what does that mean to say that it's true? Eugene Peterson's The Message translates it this way, the lifelight. The lifelight was the real thing. Every person entering life he brings into light. The lifelight. I like that. The life light is what has come into the world. And as life light, right, it has the ability to do just that, to give life to whoever what receives it. That's what it means to be the true light. It's a giver of life, not a counterfeit or a lie or taker of life. Life light is the real thing. This is, what this is what Christians believe about the coming of Jesus into this world. That in a way, God is creating again something new, new life in the hearts of those who receive him as the true light. One of my daughters asked me this Christmas, why do we put candles in the windows for Christmas? What does it mean? And why do other people do it as well? Well, I don't know why other people do it for Christmas, but it's a reminder that this light life that has come into the world has come to give us true life, the true light that is life-giving for all those who receive. Light, as we heard from Isaiah last night, that removes the darkness. This is the first thing we are receiving. The second thing there that John tells us about this gift is that it's necessary It's necessary, meaning we need it. What does John say about this true light coming into the world? He says, Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him, or the world didn't even notice. 
And why didn't the world notice? Well, because before this light came to give life, what the world was in utter darkness. Sin that caused God's creation to only have eyes for themselves. And this is part of the darkness for sure that Isaiah talked about back in Isaiah 9. Without the light life then, we can't see past our noses, as it were. We only have eyes for ourselves, which means we are bent inwards, not outwards. And as a result, we only look primarily to serve ourselves. But it's not just us, it's all of creation that we hear in Scripture that is groaning because of the bondage that it is in due to mankind's disobedience. That's a darkness like no other that leads us to the conclusion that Christmas isn't just a fun holiday, right, for families and friends to get together, but something that God was doing for his creation that was completely necessary. Even, even if we didn't notice. I love Tim Keller's commentary on this in an interview with the Gospel Coalition titled, Tim Keller Wants You to Stop Underestimating Christmas. Keller is asked in this article, you say that neither the God of moralism nor the God of relativism would have bothered with Christmas. Why not? Moralism, Keller writes, is essentially the idea that you can save yourself through your good works. And this makes Christmas unnecessary. Why would God need to become human in order to live and die in our place if we can fulfill the requirements of righteousness ourselves? That's moralism. Relativism, on the other hand, he writes, is essentially the idea that no one is really lost, that everyone should live by their own lights and determine right and wrong for themselves. The all-accepting God of love many modern people believe in would never have bothered with the incarnation. Such a God would have found it completely unnecessary. According to Keller, not only do we not notice this light coming into the world, we find it actually completely unnecessary. What do the morally righteous need with this light life then that has come to create a new heart in them if they are able to get along just fine by themselves? And if God truly is just going to give everyone a pass because that's what it means to love, why all the fuss of the incarnation and certainly the suffering and death on a cross? Can we begin to see how necessary it is for this light to come into the world? Christmas is that part of the story then that says God is doing just that. God has done it and is doing what is necessary, even if we don't notice it first or don't even think that it is necessary in sending his son Jesus into this world. He is the one who is breaking in behind enemy lines, so to speak, to make a people, not my people, my people to redeem and restore people who didn't even notice him, to make a people dead in their trespasses and sins alive with him. Yes, God's been promising this from the very beginning, but Christmas Day says what? It's here, and the waiting is over. Could the people in John's day see God's work in Jesus Christ as not only the true light that has finally come into the world, but that it was absolutely necessary for him to do so for their sake? And could they pause for the moment and take in just what God had done for them? Could they see that the source of all joy and hope had come in the form of a man? More importantly, 
Could they receive it? Could they receive it? This is the invitation of joy and hope that fills the air during Christmas. Not just for those in John's day, of course, but for us, for us here this morning. Jesus is and forever will be the proverbial present under the tree that we had no idea we needed, nor did we deserve, but is here. The waiting, friends, is over. The question is, is what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with him? And while there are many answers to that question, perhaps the best one is found in Jesus' own invitation in the Gospels, what, to come and follow me. If Jesus is the true light, if he is the light life that creates and gives new life to the world, and if what God is doing is not only necessary, but a testimony to his own character to come and to die for creation that didn't even know him, yet he loved them as his own, then follow him we must. Only then would we be embarking on the life-changing journey of what it means to what? Receive this gift. So what are you receiving this Christmas? And perhaps a better question is, is it truly life-giving? Would our hearts receive, would they rest in only what God can give us this year, the true light, the light life, Jesus? And would our following him reflect that reality? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we think about John's prologue and the words there of the life light, the true light, Lord, what you are doing has cosmic implications. You've come into this world, and this isn't just sort of a, a nice fairy tale. This has changed the course of history forever. And this being Christmas Day and the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ, we can truly say you are, you, you are here. You've arrived. Will you stir our hearts as we wrestle with the implications of this? As we ask ourselves, what will we do with you? And would you change us that we would follow you? And in our following, that this would be the way that you call us to receive your grace and mercy. Let us deny ourselves. Let us take up our cross and follow you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.